0: Pop of a beer or a cold libation Let me tell you how I wrote this little theme I went and took a call from brother Jason And he tells me that he has a little dream He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast And I ask him what you got He said I'll start up with some talking And some moody clips and popcorn fighting Fantasy explorations and some groundless exploitation Kickstarts that I'm watching And some blind unboxing Full month a movie marathon Sometimes I let the dogs come on Contest and of course you know it's all about games That's said slow down. let's just start with the name It's the nerd. Variety. Podcast. With the other Jason. Welcome back to Nerds RPG Cast. I'm your host Jason. Today I'm going to answer some phone calls, give you a teaser for this coming Sunday's episode. But first I want to talk to you about saving throws are you using the right dice well you, you probably are <laughs> but interestingly enough when we look at the 1973 texas the the pre o d and d text the proto text for dungeons and dragons so we're talking about things like beyond this point be dragons the Dullahan manuscript and we talked a little bit about this this past sunday on my media blitz episode Rod Hampton who just released Dragons Beyond was on and we talked about some of those early manuscripts and his new game is kind of based on those early manuscripts. Well, in those early manuscripts saving throws were done with 3d6. You had to either match or roll above the number for the saving throw with 3d6. So some of those early saving throws if you're using 3d6, well, it gets to be pretty hard. it's one thing if you're you're if you're trying to roll say a 16 with a d20 that's a pretty hard roll but if you're trying to hit that 16 with 3d6 now you're making it much much harder right so it's an interesting conundrum do you should you what should you use If you use 3d6, it gives you that bell curve, which a lot of people like, is you get better at saving throws, you get much better at saving throws, so your competent characters are much more competent, your higher level characters are much more likely to to survive and pass a saving throw, but your lower level characters are much more likely to fail that saving throw because, you know, as I mentioned, it's a lot harder to hit those numbers with 3d6 those high numbers. when you start off and you have those 15s and 16s for saving throws, it's a lot harder to hit those numbers. So I don't know. what, what, what do you think? I, I maybe we're making things too hard on the characters. You know so for example, that 16 I mentioned, if you need that, you have a 25% chance according to this table of getting it with a D20. is that right? I don't know, 5, 10, 15, 20, I would think it'd be 20%, but this table says 25% that somebody made up. But the on 3D6, you have 4.63%. But when your saving throw gets down to, say, an 8, now we're looking at a sixty percent chance, 65% chance with 2D20, and we're looking at a eighty-three percent chance with 3d6. So for those of you like bell curves and you want to use 3d6 instead of a d20 for your player's saving throws, it's something to think about. There is some precedent for this in the later game. In AD&D First Edition, the fourth level Phantasmal Killer spell, this is on page 98 of the Player's Handbook, has you roll 3d6 against your intelligence, interestingly enough. You're not even a roll against save versus spells. You, it has your roll in 3d6 versus intelligence to disbelieve the apparition. So there is a little bit of precedence for this, even uh, as far along as AD&D. Um, but, but it's definitely an interesting idea. Curious to see what people think about that. Before I open up the mailbag, I will say I finally watched the Flash movie that came out. Was it last year? I don't even know when it came out. But I finally watched it on cable. And, yeah, you know, it's interesting because the special effects are pretty horrible. The story is not very well written. (laughs) I think Ezra Miller did a good job in the role. I like them a lot more than I thought I would in that role. They kind of grew on me playing that character, Barry Allen the Flash. I think the actors that were really physically there did a decent job. You know, I I do regret we didn't get a Ben Affleck Batman movie. One just for Ben Affleck, as opposed to being shoehorned in with all the other ones. Uh, Lots of bad CGI in the movie, though. Um, Some really bad... CGI people, you know, fully CGI people in the movie that I could live without. And supposedly, well, that's a spoiler. Supposedly, one actor who I like quite a bit that I've talked about on this show quite a bit before was on set, but their image looks entirely CGI the entire time you look at them. So I question that. Uh, But it was good to see them (laughs) finally get to wear the suit. Anyway, overall... It was a fun enough movie. I smiled enough. This would have arguably been one of the better DC movies. I guess it is still one of the better DC movies. Uh, We're going to see what James Gunn does with the DC Universe. Uh, I don't think it's a must-see movie by any means. But if you like DC stuff, it wasn't that horrible. It wasn't great. It had problems. But, you know, it was a lot better than I thought it would be. So I'll, I'll give it that. Definitely one of the better DC movies, even with all its foibles. And with that, I think I'm just going to go into calls, because we're going to generate some discussion with these calls, so it's easier just to let the callers talk, and then I'll respond to it. So let's dive into the mailbag. Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? From
1: the house. Jason, I don't know if this will be your first message for 2024, probably not, but uh, I did want to talk about, I know we didn't review it, it just, there's a couple controversial parts in it, but we were going to talk about Left for Dead, which is Albert... 2007 horror western film american argentine horror western uh, had victoria Morret in it um among others but i think for that one we won't talk about it but for that one i think uh, weird west totally fits with it so either savage world deadlands but if you want something more generic uh, than even like um oh what's it called yeah, the uh, game that I will always know as Dark Trails that had to be changed to Weird Frontiers. It's so funny when I was listening to it in the car, uh, your new podcast, Amy and I were, and we both would say Savage Worlds, Savage Worlds, well, he would say like uh, uh, the Interlock System, Cyberpunk Interlock System, uh, inter- Interlock Universal, which I'm not familiar with, nor am I familiar, and I'd love to play Palladium Fantasy or Ninjas and Super Spies, um, especially since I did the Kickstarter for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. And I would love to learn how to play them. I really love riffs, and I wouldn't mind even be playing riffs and it's an original rule set. Uh, maybe I to explore that and look into that. I know I have a lot of projects. And Iron's in the Fire for this year. Um, also, can't wait till we talk about our movie for this year. Looking forward to it. Talk to you soon.
0: Hey, Carl, you indeed were the very first caller for 2024. Very cool. Um, that's a great choice. Uh, you know, Savage Worlds does work for all these movies. Um, we I know we didn't get to discuss that. There are some other Albuquerque movies we didn't discuss. But, you know, maybe we could discuss that over on your show at some point. I don't know. Or maybe we'll revisit some of these other movies on this show at some point. We'll have to look at that. I, I didn't want to do Savage Worlds for everything or do the same system for everything. That's why I kind of changed things up. But Interlock Unlimited is just an extension of the system used for Cyberpunk 2020. Uh, sadly, the last time I looked, the web interface where the rules are for that is like straight out of the 1990s. <laughs> it's pretty archaic. But it, it, it's an interesting rule set. Seth Gorkowski's talked about it some on some of his videos. Uh, I would love to get more Palladium to the table. I. I I'd love to finish our Palladium Fantasy First Edition adventure that got started. I'd love to get After the Bomb, Roadhogs, to the table. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just so many games, so little time. But I'm definitely looking forward to getting more gaming in with you in the new year. And talking about movies with you in the new year. Hopefully, I'm going to have you on at least once for this Water Hill movie retrospective we're doing this year we've picked a movie out we're planning to record it so i i I won't give that away but i don't want to jinx it until we actually record it but i'm definitely looking forward to discussing that with you it ought to be a real fun discussion thank you carl everybody if you're not listening to the geomologist presents then you could go to youtube and watch the geomologist presents youtube channel in addition to i think he puts his podcast up one YouTube as well, but there's also YouTube-only content up there. There's some actual plays up there of a number of different systems, so definitely check that out. Next caller is Decahedron Joe from the Decahedron RPG Podcast. What do you got, Joe?
2: Hey, Jason. This is Joe Gill of the Decahedron Podcast. I'm a little behind, but I just finished your episode on the Boston Tea Party. Love, love, love that stuff. Of course, we've talked about colonial stuff before. But I did want to point out that you talked about all these other key parties and you said all this stuff about Massachusetts, but you always leave out Rhode Island. Like before, you used to leave out Nathaniel Green. And, you know, Rhode Island is always uh, ahead of the game because, you know, they were the first colony to declare its independence. But in terms of key parties, did it one better a year and a half before the Boston Key Party? The packet ship Hannah was carrying illicit goods, and it was being chased by the H M S Gatsby, but local ship shallow draft knew the waters, sailed onto uh, sailed across some shallow water, and the Gatsby ran aground. And then later that night, led by John Brown, he's he's the uh, more evil of the Brown brothers. Moses Brown was the good one, but anyway. <laughs> said, you know, at a local bar was like, hey, lads, why don't we just burn it to the ground? So they sailed, uh, they rowed their boats out to the grounded British ship, and they burned it to the waterline. And we still celebrate that. Well, I'm not there anymore. Rhode Islanders still celebrate that every year, and they burn it in effigy. Um, I will send you a link. It's a great story, but I'm going to run out of time here. Thanks for that episode. Thanks for all your episodes, and have a happy new year, dude. Bye. Hey, Joe, thank you so much for the call.
0: And yeah, I do not intentionally leave out Rhode Island. I'm sorry. Uh, It's not intentional at all. I am not as well-versed in some of these subjects as I probably should be, as I'd like to be. But as we hit the cycle with this anniversary for the American Revolution, and and as we hit these events, I'm hoping to get more into it, reading more books about it, and getting out to some of these sites and actually seeing it, hopefully traveling here in the next few years and getting out to some of these Revolutionary War sites because there's a lot of rich history there to explore. Uh, it's a lot more than just battles. There's a lot of great human stories and really interesting things involved. So, Joe, thank you for that, folks. Make sure you're listening to the Deck Heater and RPG podcast. Great podcast. Joe's been doing contests, talking about different things, uh, he talks about movies and also talks about variety of different games over there. Really interesting podcast, well worth your time. Our final call today is from Daniel Norton of the Bandits Keep Media Empire. Take it away, Daniel.
3: Hey Jason, Daniel from Bandits Keep calling in, really enjoyed the last episode. You know, I think that DCC is a good choice for you there. I'm not sure how you're planning on doing this, so I guess I'll find out on the blog, which is very exciting too. But I find that if you're not going to run like decently large groups of characters, DCC is my go to. I started playing a lot of DCC when I was playing, you know, with one player or two players because the characters, are, you know, once you pass the funnel, the characters have a little bit more staying power, in my opinion, than most other versions of D&D, for lack of a better way to say it unless you're going to go closer to, like, a story game. I'm sure there's other games, like, that would be more, but I'm saying if you're going to stick with stuff that's, you know, mechanically similar to D&D to make the modules easy to run. And I think if the point of the, your your point of playing these modules is to play all the modules and try them out, then I think playing a system that's going to make that easier for you is probably better. So I like it. I I like the idea of DCC. I'm curious where you go with it. I think that AD&D, you know, as we see with, uh, Pink Phantom can be very involved (laughs) if you want to play it solo. So if you want to sit on the couch and be able to kind of play casually, it might be a lot to be controlling a, you know, a party of uh, characters with henchmen and all the math and the bonuses. And it just feels like it might be a lot. It's the kind of game that AD and D anyways, in, in my opinion, is the kind of game that's great with a group, right? Where people can really dig into it and get involved in the story. That's why what i found with using OD&D is I am really running it closer to wargame if you will. Like, I don't get deeply into too much because it's just not possible with that vast number of characters to really dig in. Or I think you can really create a character in DCC and play them solo and have a pretty decent chance that they're going to survive. So I'm curious how you'll do it. Are you going to run a small party? Are you going to run a couple of characters? I'm really looking forward to it. I'll talk to you soon.
0: Hey, Daniel. Thank you so much for that call. Yeah, so folks, the blog has been launched. The first post is up. You can go check that out. There'll be weekly posts. I'm doing a solo play game of DCC, Dungeon Crawl Classics, but I'm playing through classic TSR modules. I'm playing through some of the classic Beckme modules. I'm starting with AC3, Rescue the Princes. I am using that to run a funnel. So I will be doing doing a straight DCC funnel, running through that, and then the characters that survive. Uh, what I'm, I'll do is I'll play through these different modules. Usually I'll pick them. My plan is to pick a module that's, you know, three or four levels maybe higher than the party's level is and see how that works out. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. It's kind of a work in progress and a big experiment, but I'm posting once a week, over on the blog, so definitely, I welcome the feedback on that. At the moment, the comments are disabled until I'm smart enough to deal with the bots and all that stuff. So, if you have feedback on the blog right now, you'll need to email me here, or call me here, um, message me, however, here. But at some point, once I get comfortable enough to have comments enabled on the blog, I'll do that. But and d I love AD&D, but I agree, I think AD&D works. Probably better as a group activity. And because eventually, after the funnel, I'll be down to a smaller number of characters in the party. I think it'll work a little easier with DCC. Just because the rule set's simpler. And I'm not worried about trying to do domain play or anything else. My intention here is just to play through some of these modules. And I figure if I'm going to play through modules, so I might as well play through it using a system that I love. And Dungeon Crawl Classics is by far my favorite Host Guy Gaxian D20 Fantasy System. So that's what I'm doing. Anyway, all that's over in the blog. Thank you for mentioning that, Daniel. And please don't hesitate to tell me your thoughts. Folks, I don't have to tell you about Bandits Keep. He's got products on DriveThruRPG. He's got a podcast. He has a YouTube channel and an actual play YouTube channel. And the actual play channel has a very lengthy OD&D campaign, chain mail campaign, using outdoor survival maps and doing the whole thing. Very cool. Go check that out. And also, he does the Monsters and Treasure podcast. And Monsters and Treasure podcast has a co-host, K.R. King of D&D Homebrew. Well, on Sunday, K.R. King is going to join me to discuss a movie. So I am going to end this podcast here and we're going to play out the podcast with the trailer for the movie that KR and I are going to discuss on Sunday. And remember, folks, if you sent a call in to Jason and you haven't
2: heard it on this episode, have no fear. It will appear.
0: Hey, Colin, thank you so much for that reminder. That, of course, is Colin Green from Spike Pit. I also want to thank... TJ for the wonderful music, Ray Otis for the coffee cup clip art. I want to thank all my great callers, everybody that listens. If you want to reach out and give me feedback, always do that, are in the show notes. I love getting feedback, so please send that in. Okay. Until next time, be excellent to each other.
2: Now, tell me,
3: how do you make money? I'm not people done.
2: You mean like a prize fighter?
3: No, they're pickup fights. The money's made on bets.
2: 1933. America had hit the skids. People were out of work and out of luck. Life was as tough as a cheap steak. Well,
3: you've been down the long, hard road. Who hasn't? It was hard times. I've got a
0: husband in jail, no job, and no prospects.
3: I don't look past the next bend in the road. Columbia Pictures presents Hard Times. Starring Charles Bronson as Cheney, a drifter. When I get enough change in my pocket, I'm going. A loner. Are you going to stay the night? Not this time. A man who
2: spoke soft. I barely know you. Yeah, but would you like to? And hit hard. (laughs) James Coburn as Speed, a born con man. All side bets, I keep 75%. That's how it works. Who can make a fortune in a day. I propose the toast to the best man I know, me. And lose it in a minute. What are you doing? You want no trouble just you pay your debts speed was the hustler cheney was the hitter together they just couldn't be beat
0: charles bronson and james colbert together they're a knockout in hard times on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Maybe it's your auntie or a joke about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house.
1: What's in the box?
0: What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box?
3: Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a
0: pretty head. And the only question left is if I could see him dead. Bring
3: on the gold Bring on the go. I want some more. Bring on the gold Well, your butcher is a dustman, and your moil is by the tipper. And I'm assuming that's your partner back there in the woods, chipper. Don't look away.
0: And the world's gone to hell. We're living for the dying, and we're dying for the train wreck.